0: Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my wonderful guest today is Mike Bice. Mike is a physiotherapist, counselor, and a university teacher, and had, has had his own practice for many years. However, from childhood on, the mythology of the round table and the grail were inspirations for a personal journey and quest. Therefore, Mike is also a trained priest in the esoteric Christian tradition and the fascination with the Kabbalah tradition drew him towards the Toledana tradition and especially the works of Zev Ben Shimon Halevi. Mike now follows the mystical side of this lineage called ASA and has founded the school of the soul called Circle of Avalon. Mike comes from the Netherlands and lives currently in the city of Utrecht. Welcome, Mike.
1: Good morning. Thank
0: you. Good morning. It is such a blessing to have you with us, Mike. And I'm super excited to be learning from you today. And I understand that you would love to start our interview with a special invocation.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that was my suggestion to you. I would like to take all of us as listeners to this interview Um, together into this Kabbalistic invocations, that we make it more than just an interview um, and more into what we would call an esoteric meeting. So if you are sitting behind your computer at the moment and you're listening to this, just make yourself comfortable and close your eyes for a moment. And just start regular breathing. And try to follow the words. You might not understand all of it because some words are in Hebrew, but there might be a part of you that is uh, in with this ancient wisdom and these words. And if you go within with your attention and consciousness, and imagine that all of the listeners at this very moment are coming together and aligning themselves to the sacred feminine, And let us gather together and let us draw together to form a vessel to catch the dew of heaven. And to rise up and go into that holy place of meeting, gathering there with the companions of the light. Let the veil of heaven be drawn back. Here it is, Malkut Yessah netza Tifare, Givura Heset, Bina Hokma, Getter, Adonai, Elchai Shadai, Yave Elohim, Eye Asher If it be thy will, let thy holy presence be known to us. This moment. Amen. And from here we continue with our interview.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, Mike. That was beautiful. Thank you for setting the energetic vibration for our interview so so powerfully appreciate that very welcome <laughs> mm. so let's then dive straight into into our topics for today Mike and since my podcast is called sacred feminine power i always like to ask my guests what does sacred feminine power mean to you personally
1: yes well there are so many things that i can say about it from the traditions that I have followed and integrated within myself and the traditions that I'm teaching as well through Circle of Avalon. And just to to start with the invocation uh, coming from the Kabbalistic tradition is that we have this diagram that some of the listeners may be a bit familiar with. Uh, It's called the Tree of Life, Um, and it's a representation of the whole of the human being. And the diagram itself is said to be feminine because it's a vessel. It's a it's a space which represents the human being itself, whether you're a male or a female, of course. Uh, it represents the universe and the divine. Actually, it's a representation of the whole of existence. But, a space in itself, as many of you might know, is um, the uh, the representation also of the divine feminine. The the divine needs a place or a space to be held in, uh, to be nurtured, like uh, a sacred womb or the womb of a of a female, uh, a woman who is uh, carrying a baby. So. Um, The Kabbalah starts with this fundamental diagram, which is in itself a representation of the feminine principle. So that's, for starters, that is already a very important thing, because that diagram also reflects our physical body. And I am uh, really in favor in Kabbalah or any other spiritual uh, practice that I do with my people, with my students, is that the physical body is truly a temple of the Holy Spirit, or of the, the, the sacred uh, presence of the divine. And uh, to make of your physical body uh, a receptacle, a vessel, is in a sense to to honor that, uh, that sacred feminine, if you understand what I mean with this.
0: Mm absolutely
1: so, yes so so that that's first of all one of the aspects that I would say is is related to the sacred feminine is that idea of um, of a vessel or a womb and this can be seen as a metaphor but can also be taken literally mm-hmm. and of course this refers to uh, for example in the Christian tradition the birth of Christ um, which is not just a physical birth, but this is a spiritual birth. And Mary is the the sacred feminine in symbol, but it could be in spiritual practice that Mary is a male or a female. Mm.
0: That's
1: that's different from some of the religious interpretations. Um, And in Kabbalah, we have this uh, beautiful ritual called the eternal birth, where practitioners, again, whether they are male or female, are gradually over 28 days, which is the cycle of the moon, also feminine, (laughs) um, are slowly preparing their whole being, so all the worlds within them, all the bodies, to become a womb in its totality, uh, wherein the divine can be born. Mm. And and like a, a woman who is pregnant, she dedicates her whole life to in, in those nine months, for the preparation, for the the child to be born, and we can take that also as a metaphor in the birth of the light within us. Mm-hmm. So that that caring and that preparation can be done by by any practitioner in in Kabbalah, for example. I I hope that I explained this this well to you and to all the listeners.
0: Yes, you did, Mike. And there's just So many layers and layers of depth in everything that you have said there. And I have a feeling we're gonna explore some of this a little bit more in detail as as we could go further with the interview. But for now, I would really love to hear Mike from you. If you could tell us about a challenge that you have faced in your life that's really helped you to, to embody what you have just described and really activate that sacred feminine in you and in your life hmm
1: yes well I think probably one of the most earliest of experiences that I had in my life as a child this is really personal but I'm very open to tell you about it is um, I felt very alien being born in this world I felt very misplaced Mm. Um, but I felt a certain potential and I could somehow feel that there's more to this world than just, you know, the, the, the material and the, the vegetable level that we're living in, hmm. with all respect for that. But uh, so I was already very early, I'm talking about age six or seven, in search for something, a mystery behind this all. Hmm. And um, I had visions or ideas about this, what this could be. And probably the first images that I had, was of a a white lady. And these were not external images, but it was an image that was primarily within me. And of course, over the years, I thought that was just fantasy, but uh, fantasy most of the time disappears for children. And uh, images that are based upon authentic experiences coming from a different domain than fantasy uh, they remain, and they become more significant. So I started to, uh, to discover that this is much more than that. And later, connecting myself to the Kabbalah tradition, for example, I learned that these uh, glimpses that I caught from this so-called lady, this feminine figure, was the Shekhinah, which we have invoked in a certain sense at the beginning of our interview. And um, the beauty of it is that it is possible to uh, reconnect or to invoke that presence within me. And at certain points in my life, I mean, we're all going through certain crises, and I had some, and it it taught me that whatever happens, uh, first of all, you're never alone, and you do not have to do it alone. There's always something there that supports you, even if our human resources are completely empty and you just, you just don't know it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that is one of the most profound experiences I had as a child and later on in life.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing about that. And I, I have a feeling that quite a few of our listeners will be able to relate to the concept of feeling like an alien feeling like you are not part of this world in in many ways. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing about that. I, I would love to hear a little bit more about the Shekhina and also how it came to be that you started to look into the teachings of Christ or ASA. Could you speak a little bit more to that as well?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, well, first of all, the... Shekhina in Kabbalah, um, they, they talk frequently about, in many mystical traditions anyway, about the so-called transcendent, so God, and when I'm talking about God, I'm not talking about a male figure or a female figure, I'm talking about the transcendent. So, mm-hmm. beyond categories of thinking. That's why it's called the transcendent, of course. Um, and, of course, there is something that is also within creation otherwise we couldn't experience God and that's called the imminent presence of God so we have the transcendent and imminent and the imminent is the um, uh, the receptive part uh, of God within creation and In Kabbalah, there are four worlds coming out of the transcendent. And within every world there, we have this presence called the Shekhinah. And she is there in many different disguises. In different worlds, she appears in different forms. Uh, But without any exception, she is present in everything. So that means, for example, that in the world that we live in which is to our experience mainly material uh, she is present within all things that means in the mineral level all the rocks and stones she's present on the vegetable level so in every plant and tree and the grass the animal level i don't have to explain that human level but also beyond that so that means the level of angels and archangels and other entities. Um, In other traditions they say the same thing but in a different way. Uh, Mm -hmm. For example the parallel with the eastern traditions they speak about the net of Indra Mm -hmm. where you have a jewel which is the light of the divine which reflects itself in another star or jewel And uh, this is the same thing, the realization of the Shekhinah in existence, and like I said, also within our own physical existence, is that you recognize that the divine is truly present within everything. And we mean that not just as a metaphor, but also literal. And therefore the divine is present within the physical body, and that makes our body A temple of the Holy Spirit.
0: Hmm.
1: Now in the in the texts um, beside the normal canonical Gospels that you can find in the New Testament we have found many uh, other texts and Gospels and for example in the Gospel of Thomas it is said that uh, the kingdom of God, the transcendent, is found upon the face of the earth Hmm. but men do not see it. So it is um, said repeatedly in different ways by Christ, the teacher, that the Shekhina is here, mm. and uh, but she is hidden, as it were, like the veiled Madonna or the veiled Isis in other traditions. Mm. Uh, and this has a, a, a certain meaning. We have to find, as it, as it were, we have to search and find her in. Uh, but first we have to prepare ourselves to be able to know her so she is veiled for a purpose for a reason Mm. Uh, some of the approaches to this is that we need first for example become still and quiet to be able to hear her we have to um, to purify our vision how we see things before we can see her. Uh, so we have to make ourselves into a subtle vehicle before we can truly engage with her. So these are a few of the things that, that come from the, the Christian tradition. This is in a nutshell, but, um, and what I like, would, would like to emphasize as well is that in the old temple tradition the Ju- judaic temple tradition um most of, of us might think that it's all very much based upon a, a male priestly tradition but it didn't used to be that way so mm-hmm. the great god yod hey the, the four-lettered name of god was always supported by his consort or spouse which was the asherah mm-hmm. and um She's the divine feminine within the temple. They got rid of her, <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, like the tree of life, explains to us, we need two pillars in our existence. One is the divine masculine, and the other one is the divine feminine. And if we somehow um, do not recognize this, then, yeah, we have a problem in uh, in our own. Uh, spiritual life but more than that we have a problem in the unfolding of our own history as we have seen with Christianity for example.
0: Mm. And I think also if you look at the world event uh, events on a larger scale uh, you can really see that imbalance or that lack of the feminine principle in in almost everything.
1: Yes definitely yeah you can see it in politics or religion yeah Mm. Uh, fortunately, it's, it, it is recognized. This is my experience more and more. And uh, I can't say that this is my mission per se, but that's why I love to be in this interview uh, with you and the listeners, is I think it is a vital part of any serious esoteric tradition to, uh, to recognize these two metaphysical print- principles uh, and that we, we honor it and that we, um, we, we see them as, as vital uh, ingredients of, of any tradition. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, they have a task also in an archetypal way.
0: Could you tell us more, more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, it, for example, the, the Round Table is a, is a very uh, <laughs> feminine, uh, friendly uh, mythology and of course mythology lives and develops all the time so what we do here also within our group in holland we have a round table uh, group called the companions of the round table and uh, of course there are uh, men and women joining there we call them the knights and ladies of the round table Mm -hmm. Um, and we work with the archetypes from the, from the myth and you can really discover when you're part of that group or, or if you're a practitioner of these, uh, these traditions in the mythology is that you really can't do without the feminine archetypes because um, for example, Queen Guinevere, the queen of Camelot, of the, the wife of King Arthur is, um, is very important when she is about to marry Arthur, for example, she brings the round table. And the round table is, in a sense, the tree of life in Kabbalah. It is the amalgam of the complete teachings of wisdom. It is the round table that makes it Camelot. Mm. So she is the bringer of wisdom. She she is the Sophia. Mm-hmm. So she's not just a wife, and that's the superficial part of the story, uh, but she is the bringer of the mysteries.
0: Mm.
1: And the king, which is also, of course, in you and me, in any male and female listening at this very moment, is another archetype. He is the one, he, with brackets, of course, within brackets, is the one within us that has to uh, actively operate, and bring these laws into the kingdom, into our life. But the queen, Guinevere, is the one who facilitates the wisdom and preserves it. So these are the two parts of our um, royal, masculine, and feminine, so to speak. Mm. Um, and, And another example could be, a lot of ladies I know are very fond of her. Uh, That's, of course, Morgana, Morgan Morgan Le Fay, the High Mm -hmm. Priestess of Aplon. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And and this is just another example how the Sacred Feminine can operate through archetypes in in another function, which is they are often guardians of that wisdom, sometimes called guardians of the threshold.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So this is not so much to do with earning wisdom, but you have to be ready spiritually to receive um, a certain level. And and these guardians, you you meet them often within yourself. um, And and often in the the myth of the round table, they are uh, feminine figures, not always, but a lot of them are guardians. And they can also be way showers, on the other hand. Mm. So, in, in the round table myth, there are, uh, there's an enormous amount of how the sacred feminine is being, uh, being spoken about. And if I may add just one example to this, mm-hmm. which I think you would love to hear, is that the one who carries the grail. Is a lady in white, <laughs> which I spoke about earlier in my own experience as a child. Mm-hmm. She's called uh, Rapons de Shoya. She is the joyous answer. And in the sacred procession, maybe some of the listeners are familiar with the story of the knight Percival. He sees a procession within the Grail Castle, and the one carrying the Grail. And what is the Grail? The Grail is the Shechina. Is the feminine divine presence, the immanence in creation. And it's carried by this pure innocent lady through the procession. Mm. Um, So there you have another uh, of these uh, archetypes within the round table myth.
0: Mm. That's super interesting. And through the Shamanical mystical traditions that I have been taught in in terms of womb awakening traditions and so on. We, of course, would see the grail um, as as the womb itself, the mystery of the womb, the power of the womb and the wisdom of the womb and the purity and the innocence of the, the woman, not so much related to virginity in the in the physical sense, but more to do with a woman who is in her own power independently in her own power.
1: Yes. Maybe you also mean, uh, in that sense, the word sovereignty?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I can completely, uh, in that sense, agree with it from the myth. That's exactly what I talk about.
0: Mm. And,
1: and within within that vessel, like you said, is, uh, is a fluid called the awen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you could almost say that's the fluid within the womb in a in a maybe literal sense as well. Uh, and that's the these are the waters of life. Mm-hmm. And in the in the myth again, it is these waters that need to flow freely, abundantly. And that's one of the uh, functions as well again of the sacred feminine within the round table myth. And if the waters stagnate our life dries up. Mm-hmm. And then we have the scenario of the so-called wounded King, the wounded seeker. And, uh, and this is what we can experience, any of us, at any time in life, in a crisis or when we are hurt from the inside, that's when the waters stagnate. So uh, the waters of life from the grail are not flowing anymore.
0: Mm. And of
1: course there's an answer to that <laughs> There's always hope uh, But that that's another beautiful theme there mm.
0: Goosebumps Goosebumps all over yeah. me as I listen To this and talk about this yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, mm. absolutely Now and, Mike, uh, go ahead yeah. Go on
1: No, I just wanted to, to add something which I, I Love about this, is that um, um, One of the Laws of Camelot Is to protect the sacred feminine
0: mm-hmm.
1: At any time because they know that the sacred feminine is within the land. This is, of course, very, uh, well, uh, something that, that is returning in the Celtic myths and, and all the pagan myths. So that the, the feminine is within the land. And uh, the spirit has to marry the land, as it were. Mm. And this is coming back within Kabbalah, but also in the... Uh, the duties of the Knights of the Round Table is to protect the Sacred Feminine,
0: yeah. That's right, yeah, beautiful. Now, uh, we have mentioned the um, acronym ASA a couple of times already, Mike, so I would love for you to expand on that a little bit more. What does ASA stand for? And if you could just briefly explain what what it is all about as well.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, First of all, uh, I was ordained as a priest in the UK in 2002 um, and that was already in an esoteric church that means um, these are all coming forth out of the liberal catholic church so their philosophy their, their teaching is esoteric and they are not connected um, to to rome to the vatican and from there there are different churches and communities that have evolved over, over, the, over time, over the centuries. Um, and one of them is the ASA. And this is not also a, a lineage that is connected to, for example, a written lineage that any priest, whether it be male or female, because there are also lady priests in here, uh, of course, um, this tradition is really a spiritual lineage and not a tradition and lineage based upon, um, upon priests who have uh, ordained themselves uh, through, throughout the ages. Uh, so any person can be a part of this tradition. Uh, the ASA means the Apostolic Succession of Arimatea. And this goes back to the person Joseph of Arimathea, which is truly a historical figure, but there's a lot of stories written about this, this man, which is also suggestive and more legendary than just only historical. And some say he was the uncle of Jesus, but at least he was a disciple. And the interesting thing is he was also part of the Sanhedrin, Hendrin, which is... Uh, political religious organizations still existing. And they were very much against the uh, the ideas of this uh, this nuisance called Jesus at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they, they tried to get uh, rid of him in different ways. And of course, they got rid of him because it is through the Sanhedrin, of course, that uh, he was crucified. But um, Joseph Mattea was the, the person who... Uh, requested pontius uh, pilate to um, to get the uh, to claim the body of christ and to to bury it in its own thum- tomb to give it a proper burial which was not allowed by the uh, jewish, jewish law anyway uh, and from there we have this uh, this lineage that um, brings the grail the shroud Uh, The spear and a few of these relics and the teachings of Christ together with these disciples around Joseph Rimathea, a few you might know, uh, one is called Nicodemus, Lazarus, uh, Maria Magdala, um, Maria Salome. So there are, you can hear immediately that the feminine is present within um, Hmm. this tradition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and also the uh, the gospels of some of the, uh, the ladies involved are uh, very much appreciated here. So the ASA is um, we, we don't call ourselves Christian. We do not want to uh, be related too much to the, the Christian history, but we are based upon the teachings of Christ. And Christ is not a man. Christ is any human being who has realized itself through the presence of God, which is the Shekhinah. Um, and, and we believe in this, this very important saying of Christ himself. Uh, I didn't come here to make you believers. I came here to uh, make you knowers of, of the one. And, uh, other people later said Christ didn't come to make us Christians but to make us Christ. Hmm. Um, so w- we have simplified in that sense with the ASA the complicated rituals and of course there is no dogma involved in, in the ASA. So it's a, it's a community based upon the teachings of Christ that um, that involve the spiritual development uh, through those teachings, which are, which are still, of course, universal. So even today, they are as strong as they ever were. Um, and I'm an independent priest in that sense. So I have no uh, authority above me other than <laughs> the divine itself. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we, we have some people in our community that are priests as well, so they you have some uh, male and female figures that uh, operate in their priest function. Yeah,
0: mm, beautiful, and it really sounds like you are going straight to the core and the heart of the teachings of Christ with this with this tradition and shaving off or cutting off all the uh, the historical layers and baggage that we perhaps have been exposed to through. The, the versions of the Bible that are available to us and the the Christian church itself
1: mm. yes and and we don't have to throw the the other te- texts away like the Old Testament and the New Testament they're all valid in their own way, but mm. um, we shouldn't be caught up in in the uh, the so-called authority within them the the mystical authority is within us it's about so. our own experience and not the authority of the uh, the prophets of old. I mean, <laughs> a bit strange to say, but they are dead and we are alive <laughs> and uh, we are the next in the tradition, in whatever you are tradition you are in. Hmm. Uh, and in Kabbalah we say you have four ways of in- interpreting reality. You have the literal way, you have the symbolic or metaphorical way, you have the um, metaphysical way, and you have the mystical way of interpretation. Um so to to see these texts as just literally true is like reading reading them as old newspaper reports. And mm-hmm. that would completely uh uh devalue them. But to mm-hmm. see the, the, the teaching behind them still from the metaphor and the metaphysical way of, of perception, uh, that makes any of these texts still valid and true to our time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love how you put that. And, and Mike, you have given us so much information and so many golden nuggets of wisdom that we could just go into and deeper and deeper and deeper. So really yeah. grateful for everything that you have shared. Thank you.
1: Yeah, very welcome. Love to be here. And uh, yeah, it's an honor to, to have done this interview with you.
0: Mm, thank you, Mike. And I also know that you've got a gift for our listeners. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, um, I, I like that suggestion of a gift uh, to, to anyone who is now on the program is um, that if you have um, any questions related to this, um, you could give me an email, first of all. Uh, I would love to answer it. Um, but if you're interested, my gift to you would also be to give you um, as a introduction the first chapter of uh, my book that I've written about Kabbalah and science which covers uh, for example quantum physics in a I would say accessible way so that science is really also um, a mystical way of exploring yourself so that's my gift to you if you would be uh, interested in it I would love to uh, send you the first chapter, the introduction and first chapter of my book.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Mike. And could you please also let us know what your email address is and how people could find you, for example, if you've got a website?
1: Yes, sure. So first of all, my, my email address is my first name, that's Mike, and surname is Bias. So I don't know if I need to spell that. <laughs> um, and then at... Rocketmail.com, MikeBies at Rocketmail.com. Uh, my website is Circle Beautiful.
0: I will also include this information in the intro text to our interview, so our listeners will have easy access to it. So thank you once again, Mike, for for everything you have shared, for your gift and literally your gift of wisdom and being able to share it with us in such an easy to understand, easy to grasp way. Thank you.
1: I I hope so. Thank you, Emi.
0: Thank you so much. Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention on this very vibrant, beautiful energy that's been activated during this interview and imagine sending this energy to everybody everywhere on our planet to remember that we are all truly one and that the more of us are starting to open up our bodies as a vessel to the divine the more quickly our planet will also ascend thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here